Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Conversations from Here with me, Dana Ziegler. This is a show about inspiration. It's about conversations with fascinatingly, scintillatingly fantastic people about how they came to do what it is they love to do. I was hoping to provide some sort of inspirational content of late, and this is my contribution, so I do hope you enjoy. Episode one today, our guest is the brilliant and radiant Sky Nicholas. She is a teacher, singer, actress, powerhouse talent, and lead singer for LA's He Said, She Said. Sky is someone I am honored to call my friend, and she has been a huge encourager of this show. We talk about life during COVID, of course, practicing practices, growing up in Montana, getting into music, starting off in Hollywood as a young person and the risks therein. Also, an unexpected vole makes an appearance around 4 minutes 25. We had much to talk about, of course, much more to talk about, but this is just a start. Also, little caveat here, please note, towards the end of the talk, I mentioned Tangier in the context of discussing the Tilda Swinton, Jim Jarmusch film, Only Lovers Left Alive. I get the name of the film wrong, and also misappropriate Tangier to Tunisia. It's in Morocco. Clearly, not enough caffeine that day. I hope you enjoy. That, um, Here's Sky. A lot of people, well, it's been it's been twofold because for some people, it's been a time of um, of renewal and like reconnecting with things and having the time to pursue the things that that we want to do. And 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 actually, this this is the inaugural talk. Um, I don't call them interviews because they're not, they're just, they're conversations, right? So um, conversations from here, as you know, and you have been one of the big supporters of this, because I've been talking to you about this project for forever. And um, the idea was to speak to people about about uh, what they love to do, how they came to do it, um, obstacles they ran into, et cetera, et cetera. Really how you came to find your purpose um, or even people who are still trying to find that because there, there are a lot of us doing that. So, and, and now it seems like it's almost the perfect time given that we're all in this, in this weird pause mode. And, uh, and so a, a lot of people do have time to talk about these things and also time to recalibrate and whatnot. But for you, I mean, has this like, what, <laughs> what has this been like for you? Has it been a time of renewal or time of frustration or all of the above? Hmm. Well, I kind of had to click into a different mode. Um, so most of the stuff I do or love to do or regularly do just went away. And um, uh, we had to put up a little studio in the house and we were, Dan had little videos to do, um, jams with his friends and I did some of that too. And then I had to, I broadcast a, uh, a stretch and a meditation from here four times a week. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And it yeah. was a lot of work to get set up. So that was a regular thing, you know, cause it was, I, every other day I have to shoot, you know? Yeah. And so <laughs> I never expected that would become more, I would be doing more of that, but, and, 
but really that's the only um, steady thing I've been doing. Uh, and it's also, it's been good though, because it's kept me um, in practice and it's kept me more focusing on meditation practice because I'm leading meditation. And so yeah, to me, I'm, um, I really need to be up on, oh my God, there's a, a vole just, a vole just popped out of the, this hole, right, just now. A vole. A vole. <laughs> it's, it's going in my garden. It's been ripping up my garden. And I just saw him. He popped his head out and saw me and ran back. Can wow, you see the hole? A little rodent. A little rodent. There he is. Down there. Let's see him. He wants to be on camera. He wants to talk about, he wants to tell us his life story and, and, and tell us, you know. Apparently so. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. And so that's another thing I've been doing is gardening. There's my little garden. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, yeah, there it is. There it is. But, what we can't see is, yeah, you've got a, you've got a raised bed. I see. Well, it's not it. really raised. It's actually on the ground and um, I'll give you a tour of it. <sighs> Well, this isn't very, uh, audible. this is more a visual thing, but um, so it's just a few little plants. And what happened was they were all out and the deer and vole, voles or whatever, <laughs> it's like a gopher, um, have been tearing it up. So uh, I pl started planting right in the ground and there was no mesh underneath. Mm. So the the thing just would pop up and eat the roots one at a time kind of like those cartoon um like we see in the cartoons where where the oh, it's, carrots are exactly. you know <laughs> yes the, it's the the cartoon is i believe these people lived in southern california and <laughs> there he is again he's popping his head yes. can you uh, see him i i can yeah i can see yes yeah, they're cute. They're very cute. But but that is but that is another thing that you have been doing that that you've been using this time for is you have been nurturing your outdoor surroundings and yeah. planting things and beautifying things. Yeah. So so that's kind of what I've been doing. And it's so funny that this little guy. It's the first time I've ever seen him. Uh, actually, he's, unexpected he's, uh, appearance by a vole in Lawrence. Did not either. He's never come out during the day. He's he's just peeking. He keeps popping his head. This is a Hollywood vole. He's he's uh, <laughs> he, he wants an agent. <laughs> this is hilarious. I'm sorry, it's ruining our. That's all right. It's all right. Best appearance by a vole. I mean, Jack is actually. I'm glad he's not seeing this because he's uh, he's actually sleeping off camera. Jack the cat. Yeah. This is very entertaining to me to see what he's doing. Oh my god. Cause you know, I'm, there's nothing I can do about him. So, right. so what I've done in my raised bed now, or not raised bed, cause since he can just go up underneath it and eat the roots yeah, and take the plant down. I mean, one at a time, the plants are just going down every day. So now I've just put my pots in, in the thing so that he can't get through the pots. He could right. come in and start eating the plants, but right. the deer can't eat them cause they were eating everything. Right. So my garden is a little sorry because it got a, a, a late start after things got eaten. I had to start over. Uh -huh. And so it's a little bit, not sorry, it's just small. It's not as, um, you know, it's not giving as much as I had originally thought it was going to. 
now it's in the middle of summer where you gotta you know watch it it's a it, it's a whole nother lifestyle really you know in a way it's kind of allegorical to the times right because we we have certain limitations and certain obstacles and and uh, and 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 you know challenges and and we just have to deal with them you know and and um, I think one of the things that you were talking about with regard to your teaching and like you know teaching meditation classes and um, you know it it, for, it it forces you to hone your practice because you have to you know be the uh, be the example for your students and and hold that space for your students and so it hones your practice so in a way your gardening is kind of the same thing it's like ah we got voles we got deer we gotta you know deal with that and then you know mm -hmm. be present for what is and then accept the fact that you're going to lose some of your veggies <laughs> to little critters and then just think well you know what, what are you going to do yeah gonna do? right there's and gardening besides that there's a number of um problems that always come up too in that you always have to work on the soil and you have to make sure things are ready before you even plant it um and then you've got to constantly water you miss two days it fried you know so um it, there's there's things always encroaching and it's kind of like that's life things are always encroaching and you you've got to keep a good attitude otherwise you could just give up you know you just well, like oh you know it's everything's coming forget it i'm just gonna crawl into a hole and <laughs> well know, it's but, like it's like the practice with um with you know vocal uh vocal exercises and doing those and and being mindful of doing those every day because when you don't like you said like um, that you notice a difference when you don't do your vocal exercises on a regular basis during the week that you, you know, so it's a practice like anything else. Gotta, gotta keep it up. That is really what I guess the big lesson from this whole thing is, is yes, keeping your practices up and staying consistent. Yeah. Um, because good can come of this. Sure. Um, you know, you can pop out the other end with a whole nother set of skills or, or, or honing what you have. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the good part of it. Uh, <laughs> then you really have to look at that silver lining because cause it can be pretty bleak. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I think, what am I going to do today? You know, I'm a, a, a good person. When I wake up, I'm usually... I feel like a renewed and yeah. I feel happy. Even if I was, you know, not having the best day the day before or the night, you know, I wake up and I'm like, all right, it's a new day. Yay. Um, and then I start thinking, Oh, there's so many things I can't do. I yeah. can't go um, to my favorite uh, yogurt shop. I guess I could technically now if it's open, but yep. not that I would, I have not been doing that because we're not supposed to do it. Um, although you're supposed to, um, I guess, have deliveries. We do have deliveries of our groceries and things. But I don't eat at restaurants um, or order from restaurants, except on a very rare occasion. Mm -hmm. um, just because I'm trying to be as as diligent as possible about the, you know, how much exposure. Just so... In when I come into contact with other people or something comes up like that, I really need to do, you know, like we need to go to San Francisco to help um, 
take care of family stuff. Yeah. We had to be, you know, we wanted to be safe when we were there. And so the more I go out and play and do, you know, things that we're not supposed to do, the, you know, the more vulnerable I am and I make everyone else. So I'm, so I'm trying to be diligent about not doing any of that, but at the same time, I really crave it. And it makes me, like I was saying, it makes me grateful that we have had life before this. Yes. Because who knows what it's going to be like from now on. Well, and, I, and there is a human requirement to, to have engagement of, you know, we're, I think we're all trying to do the best we can to enrich our lives as much as we can while taking precautions and, um, and, and, uh, because, because we, 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 I mean, there are some people who have been locked in their houses for all this time. And I, I don't, I mean, personally, and I don't want to get into the weeds on this one, but I, I think, you know, it's been interesting when I went up to take care of my mom last month and, um, and I talked to a lot of nurses about, so for you, because these are people who see this every day. These are people who are dealing with people who are sick. Um, people who are, um, they had, they had many fewer COVID patients at the hospital that I was at, um, than they had before. And I said, what, what is your best advice for regular people? You know? And they said, well, you take your precautions, you mask up and you do the best you can. And because there really is no perfection because you do have to, like me, I had to get on a plane last month and it would have been my preference not to get on a plane, but I had to. And so I think what's really important is to, you know, bolster your own immune system, um, take the precautions that are required and, and, uh, and don't stress too much because, you know, I think that's, I think that, that, um, that can make you more vulnerable. So it's not being in denial about um, a threat or risk. It's about being mindful about it and about mitigating as much as you can and then, and, you know, and living your life as best you can. Um, mm -hmm. I know friends, I have friends who are working still and I would be, if I had a, a um, if I had work that I had to go to, um, I would be doing that um, because I, I, you know, what is required, but, um, you know, but anyway, I, yeah, it, it definitely has affected our lives profoundly. I mean, I wasn't even planning on talking about this at all today because I wanted to just like get away from the whole COVID thing. But yeah, <laughs> sorry, no, 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 it's okay. No, it comes up. But that's that's the thing is that it does come up because it is such a it's lingers largely in people's consciousness. But the other thing that I think is so important to do now is to is uh, for people to yes, you have this concern, you take your precautions, and then you also craft your life in the way that you can. Um, because I think, um, I mean, certainly I've spoken to a lot of people who've gotten very, very depressed, um, you know, because they feel like there's, it's never ending, you know, they think it's never going to be over, and um, they lose heart. And, uh, and that's something that is not good, <laughs> right? right? And, um, but I did want to I did want to ask you something about because um, I know so we we haven't talked about um, I did want to mention that Sky is a singer and and is a teacher and a voice person and a, a person extraordinaire um, and I know that of course 
you know, back to the COVID thing, there are no gigs happening unless they're streaming, you know, that kind of thing. But um, because of your, I mean, I think what I wanted to know was how, how did you literally find your voice? How did you discover that you wanted to make music? Was it when you were a kid or later? Yes, when I was a kid, um, we, you know, we did, my, my immediate family wasn't particularly musical, but my mom did buy me a piano. Mm -hmm. And I started taking lessons in third grade. My, her sister, my aunt, was one of those people that are, you know, like some that we know, they, they can play anything. So her, she had a musical sister and her, she would come over and, or we would go over to her house and she would just bestow her brilliance on me, you know? <laughs> and so I was influenced by her in a way. My cousins were all older and they were, I looked up to them and they were um, always listening to their records with headphones and stuff and, and they had all these records and stuff. So music, you know, I was very attracted to music. Mm -hmm. um, how I think the biggest influence in my life was that we had a an amazing music teacher come to our school when I was in first grade. Thank goodness, because he was an opera singer and he was brilliant. He was, was also he Montana. <laughs> I know. Somehow, you know, I think new teachers they kind of they take a challenge. They're like, well. Okay, here's where you start. Here's a school that's hiring. They don't have any music teachers and you could really make a difference. And so they, he came to this little 600 person town in Montana and taught a school where in my class, I was really the only person out of the 30 kids mm -hmm. at that point in my class that cared about music. Mm. And so I was just thrilled whenever he would come and all the other kids were like, yikes, yikes, it's music today. You know, some of them liked it, but most of them were just like, so I understood all the um, ear training he was doing. You know, he would make us sing things like, my name is Sky, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever. And, and then, and he would um, do all those beginning, like, uh, ear training exercises where you would need to know if he was singing one three or one four you know or do fa you know you would have to identify those things and so I was really the only person that <laughs> I excelled you know because I loved it and um so I got a little special attention and uh that was the way it was for my whole school days because I went to the school for 12 years and it was a little tiny school block from my house what was and the we town? did what town it was called Cascade Montana and we oh, did get Cascade. good music teachers there in fact my aunt came there to teach too my mom's sister for a couple of years um so we got good music teachers and I just grabbed on in school really I got in I auditioned for the we had plays and things god knows why they thought that we would people would be into this there because it's a little farming ranching community but there's and, not a uh, lot to do I, I wonder if that's maybe part of the thing it's like hey let's give these kids something to, to really focus on 
Um, I mean, you'd be running around playing outside and doing your thing, but in terms of like cultural offerings, there wasn't a lot. So maybe that was the, maybe that was the inspiration, you know? Uh, well, thank goodness they did back then. I mean, I guess to, I hear all the time now that, oh, schools don't have art programs or music programs now. I'm like, what? That was my life. Um, yeah. But yeah, so thank goodness we had band and, and um, chorus and music class and all. And I was just, that's what I did. I was fully doing that. And it was through my school, which, so that's amazing. Because um, I didn't have other things to grab onto, you know, there was really not much going on. I mean, there was outdoors. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but it was cold a lot. Montana is cold like nine months yeah. of the year. Yeah. Nine months. It's like winter. Winter is, is uh, from what, like November until <laughs> August? <laughs> that, well, October. it always snows. Put it this way. I've been snowed on. The only month I wasn't snowed on in, it was July. Wow. Uh, but I was hailed on in July. So up there, it, the snow would last until June. You could be, you could get a, a, a surprise snow by the to the end of June and in September very first day in September it might be snowing again so, already so in other words you could go in July and be safe but you need to bring a helmet <laughs> yes wow. I mean it's it's kind of crazy because almost every time I go to visit I get a hailstorm and I go in the summer now only <laughs> I get a hailstorm wow it beats on my car um and it's not small hail. <laughs> it's big hail. The golf balls, softballs. Yes. Well, not softballs. Rock balls. Between, Rock like balls. golf balls. Between yeah. golf balls and a little smaller, but yeah. So then yeah, when you, when you, um, did you start doing any of your singing when you, when you came out here or was that, um, or, or was that before you came here? Well, so no, then, okay. So then I, I did all the chorus and you know that stuff in high school. Then I got in college and my freshman year, about a month or two into into the classes, there was an audition for a singer for a band. I auditioned and I got the job and I was set. That was I started. I got my first band. It, it seems so easy now. It's like. There's a lot more competition. I don't know, but I really got back then. I got everything. I got everything I needed. I was very lucky, or you know, one of the, one of the only persons who cared, or talented persons around. You know, so somehow, but I got in the band, and I was the lead singer. It was a, and I had no idea how um, cool this position was because so many other girls wanted to do this, and I was like. I had no idea. I, I was just trying to learn my lyrics. That was my big. So you basically, you maybe maybe it came to you because you were just so aligned with what you wanted to do and just so clear. And then you had you mm -hmm. had the talent and you had the skills and you had the charisma to to you know make that impression and then get the gig. Mm -hmm. But then yeah, and then, I'd been practicing performing. Yeah. For because since you know because I. I would be in all the school plays and everything. So I'd been practicing and, and I was a, a dance major and a theater yeah. major. So I was, you know, I was aligned and ready to be on stage. Mm -hmm. um, so that was not a problem. Um, I was very into that and uh, ready for it. 
the only my hardest thing was memorizing uh -huh. memorizing lines lyrics. and lyrics lines and lyrics yeah so anyway um but uh then so at, at in college we won a battle of the bands right off and we got to make a record and um we got a tour and then i somehow got it in my head to to go to another the other college town and leave the band which i don't know why i did that but there was a lot of other bands asking me to be in them too so i was like i don't need you guys <laughs> you guys are mean <laughs> to me did you get too big were, for britches and you're like ah i'm going elsewhere. well they were actually kind of mean to me like um we would have to sleep in all so we went on a tour a summer tour we all over the like northwest area it's in a bus did you have a bus or how no you, vans how vans in a car yeah. well we had this car that was painted like a leopard it was an old <laughs> huge car and so yeah we would go in these vehicles i mean i had no idea what actual rock touring was what, what was, was the name of the band it was called the time and this was before Morris Day in the time. Yeah, then they came out. And so the band actually, after I left, changed the name to The Talk. And Talk. they did a lot more touring. And they, they did pretty well. Um, but uh, anyway. So you so, leave, so what, what school was this that you landed this gig? And where, where were you going to school at the time? This was um, the University of Montana in Missoula. Okay. And then, 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 where did you go when you left? When you left that? When you went on to seek your fortune elsewhere? Then I went to Montana State University in Bozeman. Uh huh. And um, and in both places, I actually worked at the student radio station too. So I was in touch with the music too. I was a yes. an announcer, you were DJing, right? You were DJing. So remember, you told me about yes. Mm-hmm. And I also at the. Oh, and then when I, and I did it, uh, and then I left, when I left Montana, I also did it too, Cal State Chico. So mm -hmm. I went to those three universities. Cal State Chico was the last one I transferred to California. So I really always wanted to come to California. So I'm doing all these gigs in Montana. And then I'm like, I really want to get out of Montana. And I got this transfer program in college that would make me an in-state student. So I didn't have to pay out-of-state tuition. So I apply to all these schools and I got accepted at Cal State Chico mm -hmm. and um, then I when I got there I got my driver's license and bank card so that I could become a citizen and then I would be able to pay in-state tuition in oh, California right. California right okay I was so, supposed to go back but I, I had California. no intention <laughs> I had no intention of going back um, but so so now I'm in California and I get in a band I right away um, uh, and that was, and we played like heavy metal and kind of fusiony rock to yeah. all the, for all the, Cal State Chico was the party school of the nation back then. Yeah, yeah, and and it was known for its agriculture program. I re I remember. I know. I know. I have friends who who went there, and there's yeah. Like, I got there. <laughs> I took wine tasting as a science class. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Useful. <laughs> Yeah, enology. I I thought it was um a great a great thing because science was not really my bag at the time. Although now it is. Um, you learn to be a sommelier in a science class. That's great. Yeah, basically. Um, and so there we played all the parties. That was a good job for a band. I actually that was my job. 
Um, and so I never, those were my first jobs is always my, the band was my first jobs I ever had. So you were the never a dishwasher and you were never like working in a movie theater. You were in band. So this is like, this is like a dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Growing up. Yes. I mean, I've tr- I, tr- I tried to be a dishwasher when I was a kid uh, I'm at the, the local bar and my mom thought I was going to be accosted by too many, you know, drunks and stuff. And so she did, she told me not to do that job. And uh, so I didn't. <laughs> I was a dishwasher until I had a tomato slicer fall on my head. And then oh. <laughs> it was on the drawing rack and it went and almost knocked me, knocked me into unconsciousness. And so I ended up quitting the job because it was a little too risky. But anyway, but that's a whole other danger. <laughs> yeah. Dangerous. Yeah. I, I would have been better off in a band, I think a little bit safer. But then, so then you're in Chico and then how do you find, how do you get, do you go, did you go from there to Vegas or did you go there to LA? What was the next stop? Oh yeah, I came to LA and um, in LA, you know, we were just a bunch of college students. We, a bunch of us moved into a house together and um, cause we had a friend from down here who kind of set us up and said, okay, this is what we're doing. And so we all moved into this house together and we all got jobs in the whatever in, entertainment industry or one of them was an accountant and um so we, and most of our jobs were entertainment related um like uh i was in the a and r department at capitol mm-hmm. as a temp first and then i stayed there for a while um but so we were doing all these jobs and trying to get real jobs and um and there's always the music there was the music connection and you could just in the recycler you could look in the music ads Mm-hmm. and try to get in a band and so we did that all of us did that and we all found our different things and I was and I had a boyfriend that was in a that was a very skilled guitar player and um he he and I got in a band <laughs> and I was a keyboard player I played keyboards too mm-hmm. so um uh he he got me in the band but they wouldn't let me be on stage because it was what? the heavy metal days it was the oh. heavy metal days when they were trying to get girls interested in the band and they had all the oh, hair and stuff so they couldn't have so, a girl on stage right no i would scare them off because they would action. think I, oh, yes God. they would think i was someone's girlfriend or uh-huh. whatever which i was but um they didn't want the girls to know that <laughs> So like it, the whole thing with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, how their managers didn't want anybody to know that any of them were married or had significant right. others. Cause like, no, we have to get so silly. Yes, exactly. So that was the whole purpose of that. And, um, so, uh, so I would be, I play behind the curtain. I'd be behind the curtain playing. Oh my God. Oh, you couldn't even be on stage. You couldn't even be seen. No, I'd be I'd be up there, but hooked up, but behind the curtain. So, oh and I couldn't gosh. go out and bow or do anything. But they needed the keyboards in the background. Oh. And then eventually, eventually, it was such a bone of contention that I and uh, my boyfriend wanted to, you know, get with all those girls. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I ended up leaving. Say that it again. worked out for you eventually, because good riddance to that. I mean, good riddance to that. And um, yes. <laughs> And then I started being a lead singer for my own bands and uh, found some great fun projects and lots of cool people and did a lot of 
fun things like at the China Club in LA, there was there there was a female rock show that, um, and I got in that a little bit, and then I got in several um, bands with there was girl heavy metal bands, but you know mixed bands. One band called Kill Sister Kill. <laughs> it was a total total all everyone in black, you know. Um, yeah that kind of stuff and really aggressive music. Um, so, and I really didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't know who a lot of the bands we were trying to be like. I mean, I didn't know, I have to admit, I didn't know the Stooges and um, that kind of stuff. I had no idea. I mean, I had just been in college where I learned all these heavy metal bands. Before that, I was show tunes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, from your from, and, you know, and, from your uh, from your Cascade Montana days, <laughs> yeah, and my theater days, you know, and um, well, you know, I was into rock music. Like we'd listen to James Taylor, Carol King, yeah, um, Linda Ronstadt, The Eagles, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I'd harmonize, learn to harmony by <laughs> by doing. I learned harmonies by doing hard labor. Um, for U Carter's Youth Conservation Corps uh, during high school. Uh -huh. um, and we'd have the radio going or tapes or whatever all day long. And I just sing harmonies while I was building fences or clearing trails or cutting trees or digging ditches. Um, so that was a good, good, um, actually, that was a very good place to listen and learn and learn harmonies because there was nothing else going on. You were just having to yeah. work. It would have been very tedious otherwise. Well, and you also w wouldn't be self-conscious because you were engaged physically with your environment. You were, yeah. you were clearing trails and chopping back brush and all that. And so just to be sing like, you know, singing while you work and really getting mm -hmm. it in your body and, and, and not, and not thinking too much about it, you know? Right. Like, it was kind of like, it was like mantras. Yeah. Yeah. It was like doing mantras. Yeah. Basically. And so, and so you're, and it was interesting because you got, you got to LA at an interesting time because that's when you still could go with a bunch of friends, get a house, you know, work in the, work in the business and, you know, and craft your life. And, and there weren't, there, it was a little bit like the wild west. There weren't, um, there weren't as many, uh, I don't know, I, I guess it, um, it, not as many regulations, I guess, or, and also it wasn't prohibitively expensive then. Cause this was, a, was this the, what, when, what time period was that? This was, um, this was in the, uh, like I graduated college in 85. So 85 through 87, eight, nine. Yeah. So late eighties. The last yeah. raw when you could go and you could like just come and be a grassroots person and create your life and now it's so regimented and so in the in the and so commercial now right and, um, the, mtv was on and that was the big deal mtv but we didn't have internet or anything like that right. back then it was right it was like you you turn on your tv and you see the buggles video killed or killed the radio star and um and and th that was a new frontier and it was 
the, the, the beginning of, of visuals with music, even though people had been doing what were essentially music videos, they weren't calling them that, but I mean, like the Beatles did and, you know, other, but they yeah. were doing it more for their, you know, movies and stuff, but still people were um, creating like little movies with their music um, since the probably late sixties, but it wasn't really right. a thing. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things I, studied in college i mean i i was a, also a, so i was a dance theater major and then when i came to chico that wasn't an option <laughs> so i or i went to bozeman first and and i became a film major and then i kind of stayed in the film communications when i went to chico and uh all i i was working on was um mainly most of my student projects and things were music videos <laughs> basically mm -hmm. I didn't do a lot of, um, you know, uh, narrative or whatever, f film, dialogue kind of stuff. It was all about the music and the action. Yeah. All my stuff. And I even made my thesis papers on music videos and mm -hmm. the coming of this, this um, sort of new art. And, um, you know, I loved people like, got to say this it's hard to say this now because i just like the adrian lynn uh -huh. uh, his direction because it was yeah. so music video style yeah um, everything looked sharp and everything looked like i mean everything went with the music and it was um, nine and a half weeks <laughs> yes probably the and, most uh, and flash dance and uh yes yes that's and, right um oh and i just recently saw uh his lolita Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that because you couldn't see that. It was right. They were like, "This, this is inappropriate. You can't right, see." Right. So, but now I saw. I found it on. Um, it was just you know in my scroll as as I went through Amazon Prime or something, and I was like, "Oh, I remember this. I read this book, and so I <laughs> checked it out, and I was like, oh, it's Adrian Lynn.' So I was more interested in because of his the style but i mean i'm embarrassed about it because it, he you know all the stuff was a little bit misogynistic yeah but he did way. he did have a very strong visual style he did yes so, in all so <laughs> yes so i was okay so that anyway that was my all my um film projects were you know music videos yeah yeah so you're a multi you're, you you are in essence a multimedia artist in the sense that yeah. you brought all these yeah. things to bear. you you had an aesthetic sense not only of sound but of but of sound and vision. Totally. I I always <laughs> married them all. They all seemed to, to to be the perfect marriage, you know. Um yeah. And then and then so then so you're in LA, you're living in a house, you're, you're, you're in the business, you're in the A&R department at Capitol, you're, you're doing your thing, you're joining bands, you're, you're performing. And w was there anything like what you know now as Sky Nicholas in the year 2020, is there anything that you, because it sounds like you were really guided by your, uh, by your intuition through all of this. And like, you seem to always land on your feet. W w is there anything <laughs> that you think you're, you're laughing because you're like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, there was never, the, the funny thing is, yeah, it's true. I, there was never a real plan. I mean, I didn't have sort of like, I'm going to go step here and this will get me there. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, 
I'd get a job. I didn't like it. I'd quit. Yeah. Um, I get a job. They were nice to me. I'd stay for 20 years, you know. <laughs> but is there something that you would, knowing what you know now, is there something that you would say to the, say, the 22-year-old Sky who is making her way in the world? Yes, would say, I would. Go for it, kid. Enjoy yourself. I would say don't give up so easy um, when, when um, you were being pigeonholed, mm. like, because... There was a time when it was like, I felt all the female artists were these, you had to have big eyes, <laughs> big brown eyes. Girl. Yeah. You had to be, and then, then I was like, but she, that girl's not like that one. And I couldn't figure out what they wanted. And I, I didn't feel beautiful enough. And I thought, I'm, I'm the rough version or whatever and I don't know I just did, I gave up too easily on when it came to um looking for a place to do my thing you know mm -hmm. I, I would I not that I tried to be like anyone wanted me to be that was the problem I was like well this is what they want and this is what they're asking for and I just can't do that I have my own thing and I I didn't really like um empower that i in myself i didn't go yeah do your own thing and be fine with it and just keep going mm -hmm. you know i'd be i'd chicken out and um i'd just be like uh i'm well, not I think we didn't what they want i'm not good enough we mm -hmm. didn't have a lot a lot of role models for no. that at the mm -hmm. time like there's a lot of them now but but i think not you know not then and so i kind of feel a little bit the same way like, oh man, you know, I should have just, you know, pushed through on this. I should have just had faith in myself and my own ability to be me and, and have that be good enough instead of trying to compare to, you know, somebody else who's up there in my own mind, you know, like, oh, I can't, I could never be like that or whatever. Right. I was always looking for a template, you know, like, can I, I need a template to start with, you know, I need something that um, is an example. So I know where to go and plus there was a lot of um the well the me too movement had to just, just say it was definitely coming down the road for a long time because yeah the guys were just really taking advantage of the casting couch kind of things and to me that was you know i'm like is this really how it has to be i, I just can't do that I yeah can't. i just don't want to um and i would I'd go okay I go, I'm going to grit my teeth and get, and just go for it. And like, if I have to do something that compromises my, you know, body, I'll do it. And so I would, I would, I would say that to myself and then I'd go in and I'd end up running. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd be, I'd get myself so close, you know, and this is all, this is how you have, this is what you have to do in order to get me to endorse you. Um, yeah. I get like where we're just kind of almost just gonna do the act or whatever, even the kiss or whatever. And I just be like, oh, I just have to suck it up. And I would just, I remember running, yeah. running, running and slamming the door and Good running to my you. car and having my clothes almost torn off me and then just like running and tearing myself away, being accosted in many different places. Um, 
by famous people too and just thinking really they just got to be doing this all the time well and and it just makes you think like wow you know this is not like you know your parents would uh, uh you know this is not how they you know like they raise you to follow your dreams and to like you know you do good work and you follow your passion and you do, and it's like nothing prepares you for that kind of shit to deal with yeah. and for a lot of people and i think why it perpetuated so long is a lot of people a lot of especially women and i'm not saying it only happens to women because i mean it happens to guys too but mainly to women and and you know like you're just um I mean, I mean, I think a lot of them thought, wow, I guess, I guess this is how it is. I never thought it was going to be this way. And then they just kind of like block it out and they, and they do whatever and they move. And it's like, but as long as that perpetuated, it perpetuated that behavior until there were people who said, no, I'm yeah. not doing that. I don't care if I never work in this town, I will find another way. And, and I had um, a friend of mine who was in my acting class in San Francisco and she met Robert Redford. Um, she was waiting tables in a, in a restaurant in San Francisco and she met Robert Redford and she was talking to him a little bit. And he said, he said, let me tell you something, something that you should know. He said, if you're good, you'll work. You do not have to compromise yourself in any way. If you're good, you will work. And, and um, so he was warning her away from all the casting couch bullshit. Cause he said, right, that. That. he said, stay away from it. You don't need it. Well, that kind of, one of those traumatic situations would scare me away for, uh, you know, would basically scare me off all my progress and everything I'd been working for. And, you know, cause I, you know, I didn't know how to do it. There were no templates. And I was like, right. you know, you'd meet someone and they'd say, oh, I, I got a movie going on. You know, I can get, I could hook you up with this, you know, and you just kind of, wing it and and it's real wild west in hollywood as far as that stuff goes and yeah yeah, um any anybody finds an innocent person or you know a naive person look out they are going to try to take advantage because so many people come here to this i call it the den of iniquity i have mixed mixed feelings about los angeles and and there's some things i love about it and there's other things that i hate about it and you know, you've got people coming with big dreams from all over the place, from little podunk towns and, and, and big cities alike. And they're coming here and they have this vision of what they want to do and they get here and then they find out, oh my God, you know, but it's, but there, there are also things that, um, and I think even more so now that now that they're, um, you know, post Me Too movement, there are many more opportunities that are going to be free of all of that garbage, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that's a good thing. I'm, I'm really, that's the, pos- the real positive side of the Me Too movement is it brought to light all of these seamy, the seamy underbelly that everybody was trying to ignore or pretend didn't, exi- didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And um, we're seeing more and more that more and more women are saying, no, that, that is not okay with me. I am not, I am not condoning this kind of behavior. I will not put up with it. Yeah. And, and that's what we need. Well, the whole thing was, is that the whole, you know, you could say, oh, no, you could say no and you could run from it. But what really took courage is for them to 
report it. Yeah. <laughs> tell everyone and tell everyone to stay away and tell everyone this is happening, you know. Yeah, because um, that's what really took place. You know, and you just want to, you don't want to be that woman who, who, uh, who calls things out and then your life is ruined because then you get taken down because you've talked, you know, so that's why a lot of this stuff is perpetuated. Exactly. So it takes real, real courage to, to come out and, and certainly, you know, the people who, um, I think of Ashley Judd as one person, um, just as an example of somebody who, who is a powerful woman who is, who is, you know, done a ton in the industry. She's, you know, been in a lot of movies. She's in a place of, of power and she has a, you know, a visibility to be able to say this happened to me and, you know, and speak on it and, um, and to empower other women. And I think it's so important. And, and also, again, it, it's, um, I'm sure there are men who have, encountered this too who haven't oh yeah well you know, men and victimized by other men specifically well, there have been a few it took a long time for me to realize that yeah this exact thing is happening to men it's just as bad so what it, it's about power uh -oh. that's the thing there's an interesting did thing I, did i go too far this oh i think you did i think we're you're cutting out a little bit Okay. See. Okay. Are you coming back to coming back to within range of your Wi-Fi? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. was just finding. But um, but the the uh, so what was I? Oh, what was I going on about? <laughs> about the the men. The, yeah. The yeah. But um, but uh uh yeah, I was gonna go somewhere with that, and then my brain just went. My brain fizzed out. It does happen. Um, more often than I would like to admit. But well, oh, yes, no, well. What I was going to say was, was that um, this industry um, or, or there's, there's a lot of power play going on and, and it, it's connected with the creative industry and that uh, because there's so much money, you know, and I think that that's probably part of the reason what, what lends to the corruption, right? It's the, mm -hmm. it, it's the, the sheer volume of dollars that, that are, are created um and and people are corrupted absolute power corrupts absolutely right yeah oh yeah it's pretty it's pretty scary <laughs> i would not have wanted to be a young woman coming to la today i i would not i i'm glad that i spent so much time in san francisco and i um i did you know most of my uh creative stuff in San Francisco before I came down here. I did not come here to get into the business <laughs> at all. Thank God, you know, but um, I mean, I'm certainly peripheral to, uh, peripheral to it, given that we know so many people who are, you know, who are in it, whether in music or, or in, um, in, you know, TV movies and whatnot. So it's been kind of an interesting window, you mm -hmm. know, to it. Um, but yeah, I just, I hope that the, that it can be rebooted and that um, there is a certain standard of behavior that is, um, that adhered to so that people don't have to make that choice of, do I do this and then get this role? I mean, it should never, never be a condition, you know? No, but there, there's also the whole, um, the whole uh, level of the leeches on the business too the yeah. 
the acting schools that or the um the pay for pay for, pay for uh, play pay for play and yeah. also in in music and in acting yeah where you got to pay to be on that stage or you got to pay to be in that play or pay to see be in this agent showcase or manager showcase or in, in comedy know. as well in comedy oh, as well. oh yeah Singer shows mm -hmm. yeah pay to play basically mm -hmm. in all the entertainment businesses so there's that level too which is another thing that that new people will will run into you know and you're just like well is if this I, i'm willing to sacrifice some money to get in if that's what it takes and you right. know <laughs> you have no idea it's just like okay a little bit of money and but you're competing with people with a lot of money right and it's just like it's all about a inside connection it's all about the people that you meet i believe in the, in the business it's all about that one connection one person can lead you to your whole life right um and that's probably to do with almost anything really any job well, and timing timing is mm -hmm. everything also because even that one connection may not be that link at that moment but if it's the right moment then you know um and the best thing happens when you connect with people who you meet that one person or two people or whoever they are who help to lead you on your way and they're collaborators and they're supportive and they're totally straight up good people and they believe in you and they support you and they see your talent and that is rare unfortunately yeah yeah but it happens i mean sure absolutely some people they hit it their first time they just land in the right place and uh other people you know they're in their seat they're senior citizens and they finally get like a good group of people to work with you know i mean it yeah. can happen at any time i guess there's it, always hope it can and 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 i uh, i think that also um there are so many people who are so talented and so experienced and they've got chops up the wazoo whether it's singing chops or musical chops or acting chops and and they never and they never rise to the surface they never get right. seen and that breaks my heart because there's a lot of people and then there are these other people who are they're not really talented but they just sort of had like a look or a certain quality that was that was a, a desirable thing at the time and so they created a career out of it and i don't begrudge those people their career because god knows you know it's rare when that when that happens and you know good for them they made money but it just makes me sad that there are some people who are they're not major talents and they have careers and they've made a living at it and there are these other people who have such talent and they and they never make it you know right it, yeah i mean it's self-marketing is another another um bit that is really unappealing to a lot of people that are artists they just want to do their work Right, and they don't want to be self-promoters. I mean, somebody like, um, and I, I, you know, not to not to diss Madonna, but um, we were talking about the late 80s, you know, and I, I think of Madonna as being somebody who, she worked really hard and she was a great self-promoter, you know, not a great singer, a good performer, but I mean, my God, she created this, you know, and again, not to take anything away from her because certainly she was a hard worker and all that stuff, but I know people you know, who can 
sing their asses off so much better than Matana or write better songs or, you know, and, um, and they're not, they're not raking in billions of dollars, but. Um, right. Well, I Madonna suppose, knew, she knew what it took. She, she yeah. was the, she took the full package. She was the full package and she did, and she did seek out the people that could help her. She really she did, did. And she had good business acumen for sure, because she was definitely in charge of her rise. I mean, she definitely was, you know, large well, in charge. At least she um, made it look like that. I mean, having a, um, you know, a ego and a powerful persona that makes everyone think that you're the queen, you know, that that helped, you know, because even if it is smoke and mirrors. It, yeah, I mean, technically it is, but it's just like people. That's their first impression. They're like, oh, oh yeah, let's hop hop to it. Yeah, she's the queen, you know. So, but it, and it's funny, it's very sad that a lot of, you know, luck and stuff, I used to think, wow, I used to be so lucky. I would just land these gigs so easily all, all over the place. But it was just that I was young, innocent, and people were coming through, uh, you know, uh, more like predators. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. Like, um, look at this sweet young thing from the big, that, right. from big sky and country. And later in life, they're like, um, well, now it's like, if anyone, if I get you know, <laughs> attention by some stranger, I'm like, what? What? In shock, you know? Because, I mean, it's, and, and, but it's, but it's good. I like feel like they're, I would never be taken advantage of any now. Yeah, um, me neither. Which I feel better about, better about myself, because um, yeah, all that stuff is bullshit. I I would never let any of that happen, and right. uh, no matter how desperate. I mean, now I'm much more wise. I know what's go what goes on. What you know, when it's a good situation and when it's <laughs> you know. Yeah. Your your radar comes up and you're like, oh, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> but do, yeah. do, do you feel do you feel that in a way it's? I mean, I I feel that life is so much better in the 40s and 50s. Um, that I I don't know. I just feel comfortable in my own skin. I know what's right for me and what's not right for me, and um, I make those determinations and. You know, even if it is a struggle to be visible or whatever, you know, I kind of don't really care. I, I, um, I've kind of detached from it in a certain way. But do you, do you feel that about you know being not a kid anymore? You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Now I'm pissed that I didn't see it then. You know. Now I'm kind of like, damn it, what? How could I have been so? Ignorant. You know. Well, maybe that's your. Maybe that's what you would have told the younger Sky. Maybe. To, to be more aware of these things. But if only we knew what we know now. It's like the joke about how youth is wasted on the young. Because <laughs> they can't really appreciate it when they have it, you know? And they don't listen to you. I try to warn them all the time. <laughs> I'm sure people tried to warn me. And I just didn't listen to it. You know? Yeah. You just don't. You have to see for yourself. You don't yeah. believe anything bad could happen you feel super at certain points in your life and you don't believe that bad things you know or bad people are out there you're just like hey but they'll see the good in me and 
it'll all work out but you know that's not always the way well and and actually recently speaking of that recently um an old friend from uh uh, san francisco days the Taoist community um reached out to me and they live in a tiny town in in wisconsin and and she reached out to me to say that one of one of their boys is who i think is about 20 he's like 19 20 she said he's going to come to la and he's a really talented actor and he wants to make it and and um you know he's he's thinking that he'll you know do auditions and until he finds some work and this that the other thing and and there's part of me that's like ah <laughs> you know and i i said okay first off i said just know that because of the covid thing things are really locked down there's not a lot of work happening there is some but i said remember it's very expensive so just so you know that he's going to need a lot of time to set himself up because it's not like you know 30 years ago where you could come with your friends and you know um get a cheap apartment and whatnot it isn't like that anymore and it's much harder and there's there there's plenty of predators out there so sharks you know so i just i i i'm not a dream killer i'm not somebody to say don't do it but i said just know (laughs) just let him know that you know just be careful um be aware that it's going to take some money you know because you gotta you gotta pay your rent while you're you know whatever you're you're looking for work or whatnot it may take a while so just so you know just so you're prepared but uh but and this and this kid is um you know they're they're like a really really gentle kind loving people they're all artists you know they're they're kind of living off the grid and in um in in this little town and and they're like gentle sweet people and this is not a gentle sweet place um so i just wanted to to let um let his mom know that just you know just be careful you know and and uh don't get too swept up in the in the have dreams and go for it and you know but just also have your have your feet on the ground you know you gotta you gotta have both you gotta have dreams because that's the stuff of life right you know and um because well i had a quote about the stuff it's the stuff that dreams are made on you know i mean uh and 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 but but also have be firmly grounded in reality and Mm -hmm. have to be a pragmatist you know because you do have to pay your rent and you got one bill and and you got to you know, you can't just be, um, have your head in the clouds. Right. I mean, you, you always had to get a job. Yeah. You know, I have, I have, I know people that are like, well, I'm not going to do anything else. I have to, you know, I'm, I'll just get a job doing what my art, you know, and, uh, it's not always that easy. You know, right. you got to pay rent, you got to right. pay your bills, you got to pay your car payment, whatever. It's like, you can't, and you can't be mooching off other people that's not yeah. fair so it's like you have to pull your weight in this town i mean that that's part it's not always the most fun part about it but it could be where you meet the person that will help right. you i mean you know even in the restaurant not, business and it's also not you know it's not cheap like back in the day oh. when you know when my brad came here in 1986 and you know got an apartment with a bunch of you know with a i I think actually at the time just had one friend that he had moved out here from new hampshire with but you know rent was cheap 
back then in 1986. <laughs> it is sure, now, yeah. you know? So mm-hmm. that's why it becomes prohibitive. And the other thing is, is that, and this is the good news, is that there are a lot of places that um, things are happening, interesting and cool things are happening in many places. You don't have to just go to LA or New York. Even though they still right. are the creative capitals of the, of the nation, there are also other things that, um, that are going on in other places. And that's important to look at too, you know, because maybe the quality of life is better than the, the struggle, the hamster wheel of, you know, coming down here and, and struggling, 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 and, you know, driving Uber and having five jobs just so you can afford your, you know, your West Hollywood apartment with your five roommates, you know, <laughs> so. But it, it is, it is all fun. It's all fun. Oh yeah, it's an adventure. If you make it fun and you stay, it's sure. an adventure, stay positive. Um, COVID has made it a lot more challenging, um, but you know, hopefully it'll be over. Um, but yeah, it's all an adventure. And the way I see it is, um, there's, there's nothing I can do about the time that's passed, you know? Um, but I I felt like as far as singing and any of it, um, that you might not look as youthful and you're not that, what you used to be, you know, at, you know, we all age, but, um, as far as singing, I think people get better, you know, voices get better. My voice is better than it ever was. Um, so you learn and you learn more, you learn more skills, you're more comfortable. I don't know. You just, it's unfortunately, (laughs) They just want to put young people on the, <laughs> on the screen. Um, hopefully, you know, there's enough work for the people that are not young anymore. Um, at well, least, you know, I hope that the respect is still there so that we can <laughs> live dig- dignified lives. <laughs> well, and at the least. other thing is, I really do think that the voice um, is really more of the essence of who you are, the voice, not the visual. And, and so for those of us who, I, I, I thought about that. I thought, what, what can I do as I get older? I'm 51 now. Um, and I thought, I can, I, can, I can have conversations with people. You know, like that's, it, people may not want to look at me, <laughs> but, but I, can, I, can, I can talk Shut to up, you. know what I mean? <laughs> Like I could be 80, I could be 90, I could be doing this. I could be doing exactly the same thing. And, you know, just go in perpetuity as long as I have a voice, you know? And so I'm yeah. looking long, long-term. And as far as singing, um, it's amazing how people like different singers have had amazing longevity with their voices. Like I think of Smokey Robinson as, as one person. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, uh, oh God, what's her name? Um, 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 her, her name is right on the, on the, well, the Mavis Staples. No, well, yes, there's, there's one person, but who am I thinking of? Um, in, in, in the film, 20 Feet from Stardom, 
um, Darlene Love. She's another person who's got a, just an amazing voice and she's, God knows how old she is. She's like in her early 80s or something or, you know. Yeah, um, she's had lots of. Wow. I mean, you can't, you can't mess with that life. That's a good life she had. Yeah, That's and the fact that she's getting this amazing get, recognition now, you yeah, know, like freed herself of Phil Spector, and then and then she didn't have a career for so many years, and then oh, she was cleaning houses, and one of her songs came on, and she had this revelation of wait a second, what am I doing? I'm cleaning houses, and I and and so that she went, and then somehow she got kind of reconnected into the business again, and then. You know, because she didn't, her confidence was really shaken. But then when she got it back, and then she still had some contacts. And then, so then she got back. But yeah, um, and, um, you know, Bruce Springsteen talks about his love of Darlene Love, you know, her voice. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and she's experiencing this renaissance, which is, which is amazing. And it goes to show you, like, you, like, back to your point of it can happen any time for people. I mean, there are people who... Mm -hmm who get acting careers in their 60s and 70s, you know, because they, they somehow hung in there. And, you know, there are older people in, in, in stories and those older people need to be played hey, by older people. Look so. at that Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin comedy Oh my God. Great. It's one of the funniest things ever. Grace and, and Frankie. It's yeah. It's a great show. You know, and <laughs> more power so. to them. It is a great show. And I look at that and I think, wow, you know, way to use your, your talent and your and your your legacy and your experience and all the yeah Lily Tomlin's a great hero of mine. Um, as is um, Tilda Swinton, she's another one, you know, because she does. I would love to have a a, a career that Brett asked me that one one time. He said he said, well, whose career would you want? I said I think it would be Tilda Swinton because she works with the people that she wants to work with. Yeah, whether it's the Cone Brothers or George Clooney or whoever, you know, she, she <laughs> works with these people and she's a chameleon. She can do anything. She's like, oh, definitely. I love that. She's, she's amazing. I recently saw her in that witch movie with uh, Dakota, um, oh, Melanie Griffith's daughter. Oh. It's, it um, starts with an S. It's a, it's a weird witch movie. <laughs> It's really weird. It's a fucking weird art. You're not you're not talking about the Chronicles of Narnia and how she was. No, oh no. This is one. This is not approved for children at all. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. I did see the preview and I thought, ooh, yikes! I don't I don't know if I could. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we saw the previews to it back when we went to theaters. I saw the movie. Yeah. Oh wow. Scary stuff. Yeah. Well, she can do anything. <laughs> yeah. 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 There was a great film that she did. It was with, uh, it was with, um, um, Jim Jarmusch and it was with Tom Hiddleston and it was about these vampires. It's called all the, the, um, what is it? All the lovers in the world or something like that, or, hmm. or the last of the lovers of the world or something. Um, but, uh, it's about vampires, and she is an older vampire than the Tom Hiddleston character. And they're not, they're, they're extremely cultured 
brilliant people. They've been around for centuries and they don't right, you think. jump on people and suck their blood out of their necks. They, they, they buy a blood supply, you know, like in jars and whatnot and keep it on hand. They don't go hunting like, you know, like in other vampire flicks. And they can, they have like superpowers of reading. They can read really fast. <laughs> and, uh, and it's this amazing love story. And her character is much older than the Tom Hiddleston vampire story. And they shot it in Detroit and in uh, Tunisia. In these two, in these two places. Um, wow. no, it was in Tangier is the, the city that they shot in, in Tunisia. Tangier and then also in um in, in Detroit and they shot it at night because vampires they don't come out during the day so um so I really recommend that I really recommend it and I think John Hurt has a small role in it I mean there's all kinds okay of I'll check that one out because yeah. I do like Tilda Swinton I like yeah. I like her a lot and uh and Tom Hiddleston I have to say that um, I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but I, I have to tell you that he's an, he's an amazing mimic. He does, he does amazing accents and stuff like that. So that's kind of <laughs> after my own heart. Right, oh yeah. <laughs> I love to, I love that too. Yeah. It's, the, it's the voice again, yeah. It's the voice again, you know, and it's like you can, you can do whatever you want with it. And I think there's, there's power in that and, and there's a way to, you know, really inhabit the voice and develop it and you can change it and grow it and expand it. And, and um, that's kind of a little bit what, what this podcast is about. I think I'm, I, I just, I, I kind of got up trying, I, I gave up kind of trying to be something else and I've just decided to um, be me and do me, you know, <laughs> this is, this is it, you know? So thank you so much for being a part of that because that's, you know, having that, kind of that kind of support where your friends believe in you and they say yes you should do this and i will help you and i will be a guest on your show and you know i've got a list of <laughs> people that you know that lots of people you know to talk to and you were the first one so Aww. thank you for that and you've been hearing me jabber on about conversations from here you know for a long time even before i had a name for it yes i mean it was like you got to do this. It's a great idea. You're very good at this. Do it. And yeah. And now it's is, happening. I, you know, and it's just a, it's just a, a, it's part of just putting something out in the world, creating something, you know, it, it has no, there's no profit motive in it for me. Um, it's just really about putting out content, good, inspiring content, conversations that are meaningful and engaging and, and maybe help somebody who's maybe struggling and finding their way in the world. You know, maybe they'll, get little pearls of wisdom you know here and there but um but it's so it's, it's so good and um and it's so good to have the time to do this and it's so good to have zoom as a tool you know and yeah. um but i but i think is there anything else that you that you wanted to share like you know for those greater audience for the for the the, the three people who will listen to this <laughs> maybe you know the thing about these things is that they're they're there and if someone discovers it and they all of a sudden they like what you do then they'll go listen to your whole catalog and it this yeah. could be 10 years from now they're like oh my god this is great stuff from 10 years ago you know? yeah yeah 
Um, That's so, who I was with Mark Marin with his WTF podcast. I, yeah, heard so him, I heard him interviewing Terry Gross uh, of Fresh Air uh, on NPR, who is my interviewing hero, Terry Gross and Nick yeah. Cabot, those two people. And I didn't know who Mark Marin was, and I heard him interviewing her live on stage at, at I think it was the 49th Street Y or whatever in New York. And, and, um, and it was, it was, it was amazing. And I thought, wow, I got to listen to this guy's podcast. And so I did. And, um, and I went back through the catalog and I'm listening to all these interviews and it, it's all conversations. And then the amazing thing was that, um, like after two years of this, I was at the comedy store and I ran into him physically, boom, ran into him as he was coming out of the original room and I was coming out of the belly room and, um, and I had a conversation with him about the podcast and other things and it was just kind of a hail mary thing that he did when he didn't know what the hell else he was going to do because his career was kind of one thing it ended and he wasn't sure what he was going to do next he thought well podcasting this is 2009 i guess it's a thing i'm uh, i'll interview people in my garage and and the rest was history so so we did talk about that so that was cool that was really really cool to be able to talk to him about that and, um, and yes. just get a little bit of the backstory, and um, and and uh, of all the people that I could have run into at the comedy store, aside from Brad Watson, my love, <laughs> my fiance, um, you know, it, it would have been Mark Marin. He would have been the person that I wanted to, in terms of my interviewing heroes, he would have been one of the people that I would have wanted to meet, and I did just by accident. Wow. By crashing That's into amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's a beautiful day. Thank you so much, Sky. And um Thank you for gonna... asking me. Oh, it was great. It was such, such a pleasure. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna um I'm what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna stop this, but I'm not gonna end the thing. I'll talk to you after, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pause, I'm gonna wrap it up, tie it into a bow. Thank okay, you so much, Sky. Thank you, Dana. Ah, that was the beautiful Sky Nicholas. Such a wonderful time we had with our chat. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did doing it. So next week, we have a new guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is because it's a surprise. And you'll just have to tune in to find out. So meanwhile, have a wonderful week. Have a beautiful week. Take good care and take good care of each other. And I'll catch you on the other side. Bye-bye.